0: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
0: You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Bradley Sal, David Johnson coming up in this edition of Talk of Champions, recapping in a way that lost to Auburn. And also, what's the latest with Ole Miss recruiting? We've got it all here in this edition of Talk of Champions. But before we dive into it, let me tell you about my bookie. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got LSU or Auburn this week, Ole Miss or Vanderbilt. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got the deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. Congrats if you were one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use my promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code TOC, TOC for Talk of Champions, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
0: Happy Monday. This is Talk of Champions, an overreaction. Talk of Champions, as we do every Monday after Ole Miss plays a football game not necessarily a happy Monday because Ole Miss lost again to so Auburn this time, falling to one and four on the year. Bradley Sal is here to make sense of it, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, and then later on the Modern Women phone line, David Johnson, my co-worker at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports for a Recruit Check.
1: But Brad, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Brutal. A little bit shocked by that game. I mean, that, was, um, that one right there hurt worse than any one this year, I think
0: let's just go right out of the gates a super hot take and you can tell me if I'm wrong for as good as the Alabama game was coached this game on
1: Saturday was the polar opposite of that I'm 50 50 on it man I mean there's some there's some players that got to wake up out there honestly I mean there's some drop balls in there there's some some crappy defense being played I mean he can't do it all I mean he he's there there are some things he could do better but but I mean, you gotta think what he's working with. I mean, there there's times where he's having to consider going for it on fourth down in the damn midfield because he knows defense can't make a stop. So I mean, he's trying to do the best he can with what he's got. And um, I mean, he, he's kept it respectfully and competitive all year. But I mean, dude, coaching this team it does not look to be very easy, especially when you got, you know, one quarterback that's that's not reading zone well. So he's having to, you know, do a kind of a quasi two quarterback system. I mean there's so many moving parts on a, on a team that, that's so shorthanded.
0: They don't know how to win. It goes back to what we talked about at the end of last week. They don't know how to win games. It took y'all some fortune, obviously, but it took y'all the win in Fayetteville in 2008 to get over the hump and feel success. This team cannot make winning plays. And we can talk all we want to about the missed replay, which 100% win against Ole Miss. Shivers touched the ball. He has to go claim it in order for the play to be over, and he didn't, and Ole Miss recovered it. That's a touchdown. Maybe the difference in a win compared to this loss. But I keep going back to two plays. The first one, Matt Krause interception in the back of the end zone, the second offensive series for Ole Miss. No points. Botch snap on a punt for Auburn. Tyler Knight downs the punter. At the 25 of Auburn, almost goes nowhere, fakes a field goal, no points. Lane Kiffin has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He's a hell of a head coach. But there are going to be times when Elaine Lane Kiffin has a bad day, and I thought Auburn was a bad day. You are not going to fool anyone anymore. You have set precedent that you are going to go for it on fourth down. So if you're going to go for it, which I am all for, I'm forever team, never kick. If you're going to go for it, go for it. Luke Logan trying to run the ball six yards? I would rather have Matt Corral with the ball in his hands or Jerry Ely or Snoop Connor, not Jonathan Mingo because he apparently can't catch anything. And Kenny Aboah, your boy, he had a bad day. Yes, the big 60-yard catch was huge, but in that final drive, the drop, there were so many bad things. But those two sequences right there, the interception in the back of the end zone and not getting anything after the botch punt, that's why Ole Miss lost the game. And it goes back to originally what I said to start. They don't know how to win games, Brad.
1: They don't know how to win games. You are correct on that. They also are, um, you know, they don't they don't have a whole lot to win games with. But I will say this: the um, the fake field goal was 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 not the the best call in the world. I mean, it um, it's just like the Kentucky game. I mean, if, if Sunago gets if he gets stuff there, or um, what, what game was that we went for? the Arkansas game. Sorry, if if he gets stuff there, I mean that looks like a terrible call. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Not not a huge fan of that. And and then with, with the with the, the turnovers in the red zone, that that's that's starting to become a theme. I mean, I I don't know if I've ever witnessed more turnovers inside the five yard line than I have in, you know ever in, in in a season from a team. So um, Corral's got he's got to throw it away there. I mean, he's he can't he can't take take chances like that when nothing's open, and um, that that's killing him right now. And through the first three weeks, he did not do that. But um, right now, that, that's killing him. He's gotta, if, it's, if there's nothing there, I would rather him just throw it away.
0: It's the old baseball adage in Major League Baseball. When you come up like Austin Riley for the Braves and you have immediate success, well, opposing teams, they're going to adjust to you. And can you adjust to those adjustments? It's the same thing in football. Matt Corral came out first time under Lane Kiffin. Defensives were trying to figure out what Lane Kiffin would be doing, what Matt Corral would look like in that system. Well, now they've seen it. And Arkansas kind of laid out a pretty good blueprint. And that's exactly what Auburn came out and did. The exact same kind of defense that Arkansas did. Drop it everybody back. You should be running in that formation, you should be running the ball. And Ole Miss did run the ball actually outran Auburn in the game and still lost I think they outpaced him by 60 yards or so but you and I were texting yeah but if
1: you if, if you look at that though that's a misleading stat because Corral had 80 yards and Plumley had 50 yeah, or 60 yeah. yards so that's that's 140 yards right there rushing by just the quarterback so that's not all by design
0: no but it comes back to the next question why are you trying to shoehorn John Rice Plumley into this offense and play him And I'll be honest. Everybody's heard me talk about John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral. I got scorched for talking about John Rice Plumley. A lot of it misinterpreted. But I've said countless times now, Matt Corral was chosen. He showed why he was chosen those first three games. He's your guy. There is no threat to pass when John Rice Plumley comes in. If Ole Miss can just get one first down, force Auburn to call its timeouts in its last offensive drive before the final one. Excuse me. So second to last offensive drive, they probably win the game. But when John Rice comes in. They are not even thinking that you're going to threaten to throw the ball. So I just, I don't get why now. And I understand that you're looking at the same defense you saw against Arkansas, and you maybe felt like early on against Arkansas, almost didn't run the ball enough. So I understand the temptation then to go with John Rice Plumlee. He's the running quarterback. And initially, it did have some success. But after a while, they realized, oh, they're never throwing it with him. And then they started to do the thing that Matt Luke and Rich Rod did. Here comes John Rice here comes Matt Crowell. Here comes John Rice. Here comes Matt Crowell. Matt Crow coming in on obvious passing downs. It's like going back in time. He's been your guy all year.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, there for a minute, I will say it. It did feel like last year. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there there was when they were running back and forth on and off the field. It was it had a very last year feel to it. Um, <clears throat> my thought was early on. I, I kind of got why they were doing it early because Auburn came right out and they were literally in the same defense, Arkansas um gave them the week before so i think that looking at it from an early on standpoint i think they wanted to mix it up and kind of get them in their base defense which is a four down you know they play a lot of man coverage well this game they didn't do that so um until we started bringing john rice in there and then they was kind of got them off balance i think they went back to just their base because they didn't want to get stuck in, in the three down with john Rice in there but um yeah i mean it, after a while i mean they were, they kind of got a beat on it and it was um you know, it really was, it was ineffective. So I I don't, I'm not sure why they kept doing it late in the game. Um, unless they, they think the crowd shook or if, um, you know, they're just trying to figure it out, but it did, I I don't think, I don't think the offensive coaching staff does not look comfortable when John, John Rice is in the game calling plays. They just, it looks like a mixed bag of, of different runs from last year. And, um, you know, there's no threat to throw it. So, I think they're trying to, do, to, to involve him, but I just don't know that, that, that they're comfortable doing that.
0: They're trying to involve him to the detriment of the offense. He just doesn't fit. I get that you're trying to keep the kid happy, but if he's going to transfer, let him transfer. You made your choice. We don't just completely recap the game on overreaction Monday. we got a lot of stuff we want to go over, but these are just initial reactions here. Ole Miss takes the ball up one with five minutes left. You have got to be able to get one first down to make Auburn start to burn its timeouts. And quite frankly, you shouldn't even be thinking too much about the clock or milking the clock. I don't want to give Auburn the ball back and have my defense try to stop them again. And the defense, again, was good enough. That's as good as you can get from them. The offense has to win that game. So why is John Rice Plumlee in the game? Up one, five minutes left, to lose five yards because they're not respecting the pass at all. Run your offense. So that's why this game, this loss, is more inexplicable than Arkansas. Because at least Arkansas, you understood why they lost. Seven turnovers, 24 points off of those turnovers. Okay, you lost. Auburn was not a good football team. And they were not doing anything particularly exciting offensively. Bo Nix was checking down and throwing short passes, and Ole Miss was tackling pretty well. They were getting pressure on the quarterback. Ryder Anderson was back out there at defensive end. John Haynes was back out there at safety. So they did watch the film and say, okay, these guys can help us where they are. And yet they still lost. If you think about it, they're an extra missed point away from being 0-5. So on Overreaction Monday, here's where I'm at. As encouraged as you were after the loss to Alabama, Where are you now? Because at the end of the day, it's about winning games. This is a scoreboard business. I mean, Lane Kiffin said that. They didn't come here to play Alabama close. They came here to beat Alabama. Well, if we're going to hold it to that standard, this is a scoreboard business, and Ole Miss is 1-4. And And does anybody think, after watching that Kentucky game, that Ole Miss was ever going to stop Kentucky offensively? Now, maybe Kentucky never stops Ole Miss offensively, and Ole Miss is the one that gets the two-point conversion, and Kentucky doesn't. I just don't know how you're supposed to feel if you're an Ole Miss fan today when two weeks ago you felt like they could beat everybody left on their schedule. They're going to beat Vanderbilt, but we've gone back now to where we're predicting this team to, at best, win four games. That will be good enough to go to a bowl, but it isn't what you thought they would be after the first three weeks.
1: Yeah, we've been in every single game. In the fourth quarter, maybe maybe minus the Florida game, but that was still like not a not a bad bad loss. But I mean, it's just like it's like we're a touchdown worse than every team in the SEC, which isn't isn't far off. But it's like I mean, at what point are we going to step up and, and actually win the win win a game? I mean, at one point during that game, I thought Auburn wanted to quit. I'm being dead serious, man. Whenever we went up by seven, defense started playing a little better. I'm um, really getting after them. I, I mean, I thought that um yeah, I thought I thought we had I thought we had a real chance there to. to to actually turn the corner and take over an sec game and win the game but but this team just doesn't have that ability and that just is what it is and 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 i'm sorry old miss fans but but get ready this is going to be the theme for the rest of the year every game is going to come down to the fourth quarter it's going to be very similar to this and it's going to be a matter of okay which game does does the players decide to step up and and win a damn game i mean it's this could be one that one of the most painful seasons of all time just because it's um, we're so close and it's, you know, we we hope this is a sign of, of, Hey, we're going in the right direction, but it's, I mean, at some point, man, you, you got to step up and win a game or two.
0: It's all about wins and losses. That's what it comes back to. This is talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit. Been on Twitter. That voice you've been hearing is Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review talk of champions in iTunes and when you do leave a five-star review doesn't matter what you say as long as it's a five-star review also available in soundcloud and spotify just simply search talk of champions i write for the oms spirit omspirit.com an affiliate of 247 sports we'll get right back to brad after i tell you briefly about alan samuels Chrysler, dodge cheap ram of oxford a proud sponsor of talk of champions celebrate oms football it's here we made it we made it yeah the season looks a little different but some normalcy has returned Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your old Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered. And no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with the delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like. Simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork. Review it with you on the phone and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662 638 0044. That's 662 638 0044. Visit them online at alansamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distance, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. I keep coming back to those two plays: Krause interception, the fake field goal. Ole Miss came up empty in both of those sequences, and their margin of error being what it is, they can't overcome such missed opportunities. This team isn't good enough.
1: They absolutely can overcome. You know, they absolutely, absolutely can can throughout that game. There's multiple plays in there that, you know, especially when the whenever the um they they snap the ball over the the punter's head. I mean, we get points there. We can we can certainly over, overcome some bad stuff, but we have to. You know, it can't just be a complete game of missed opportunities, and that, that's what we had this um, this past week. You know, it's just we, I feel like we never really took advantage when when they were giving it to us, and then turn around and um, you know give them something. So it's it's overcomeable, but it's it's gonna it can't be a full game of missed opportunities. I think what Lane Kiffin's dealing with, he's, it's starting to really set in um, what kind of process this is. I mean, he's having to make decisions based off of what he has. And I think once Ole Miss gets the, the correct, you know, um, personnel in there on the field, I don't think he's he's doing some of the crazy stuff he's doing now. If if Lane Kiffin thinks, hey, my defense can can actually get a stop, he may punt it sometimes. And I think if he thinks that, um, you know, his quarterback can can read his own or whatever, I think that you know he he calls the game different. But I think right now he's just trying to pull everything out of <laughs> out of the bag. I mean, it's like he's playing with the little giants.
0: I think Ole Miss has to lower its expectations across the board. We have been a little too heads in the clouds about what this team can be, assuming everything can go right and they can play a clean game. They can't. They can't play a clean game. They're going to beat Vanderbilt, but after that, and after they've lost to Arkansas and to Auburn, you cannot assume that Ole Miss is going to go and beat LSU. I don't care how bad LSU looks to you. You can't assume it. I don't care how bad Mississippi State looks. You can't assume that Ole Miss is going to beat Mississippi State. So, you need to expect one more win and hope that Ole Miss can put it all together for two more because they're not getting the five wins.
1: Who knows? I mean, every week's going to be like this. Maybe, maybe suddenly we get a we're going to beat Bandy when we play him. Maybe suddenly the the next week, I don't know. I think it's South Carolina or, or, you know, one of the teams. Maybe we actually pull one off at the end. And then that's that's the thing that, that that gets us going for the rest of the year. So, Dude, as much as I'd like to say we're not going to win five games, shit, you just don't know with this team because, um, I mean, maybe it turns on because we're going to be in all the games. Nobody is beating us by double digits for the rest of the year. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, but I'd be surprised. Every game, there's going to be the fourth quarter. We're going to have a chance. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we figure it out. Maybe we do. So I think that um, I I don't think five's out of the question just yet.
0: What do we know about Ole Miss? If an alien fell from the sky today and dropped on your doorstep, knocked on the door, said, "Hey, Brad, tell me about this Ole Miss team."
1: How do you explain it to him? They're a guy short, and they're they're just they're so close everywhere. They're basically a guy short everywhere. It's just unbelievable to watch. I mean, it's you, you, we're so close, but just just no, no idea how to win a game there at the end. You just feel like every everything's gonna. Um, you feel like they're gonna find a way to lose every every time.
0: And that comes back to my original point, figuring out how to win. And you've seen it before. The difference between a winning football team and a losing football team, it comes down to talent, obviously, but also it's about mindset. Because once doubt starts to creep in, that's about as corrosive of a feeling as you can possibly have as a football team. If you don't believe that you could actually win the game, regardless of how close the game might be or how attainable the game might be, I've got the ball, chance to go win the game, you're expecting the worst to happen. And I'm not saying that this team is dealing with that. We don't have the access to this team as we have with y'all's teams. But it's certainly, at least when you watch them, feels like there's more of a hope than an expectation. Say what you want to about Hugh Freeze, but his teams, when they took the field, expected to win. They expected to beat whoever it was. Now, that wasn't something that just happened overnight. They haven't felt winning. Even when Ole Miss had DK and AJ and Dawson and all these guys and should have won just based on sheer talent alone, they still lost. They didn't have a winning season. They didn't go to a bowl. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and their entire Ole Miss careers never went to a bowl. So now you look across this team, at like Elijah or Matt Crowell or whoever, who's got the confidence? Who's got the belief? Kenny Yeboah dropping that pass on the last drive, I mean, it was wide open. That just reeked to me of a team that just doesn't have that that, that belief yet. And that's something that only comes with a good result. But the problem is, Ole Miss is playing a 10 game all SEC schedule.
1: <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I mean, of course, Freeze's first year, they they went to a bowl unexpectedly. They still finished three and five in the SEC, you know, next to last in the SEC West. And you know, it would have really benefited Ole Miss if we had four, three or four games that were, um, you know, smaller opponents. And you, you rip off two or three SEC wins, and here you are with six or seven wins, and everybody's talking about, you know, something totally different. But when you're thrown into a 10 game schedule, man, I mean, I mean, if you'd have told me, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss wins three, three or so of those games, I would be shocked. So it's, you know, that's just a different kind of year, and it, it could sting a little worse this year because there's just nothing easy coming up.
0: So now what? What's next? Basically, they've got to win a game like this. Have to come out on top, flawed as they are. And every single game, like you said earlier, it's just going to be an absolute grind for them. There's never going to be a single easy Saturday for Ole Miss this year. Not one where you just get to kick back and watch an easy win. I just don't know where you go from here. I, I feel this is what Ole Miss is. Like, what's the upside to Ole Miss right now? Because the upside was Matt Corral. Well, now Matt Corral has regressed a little bit, as to be expected. He couldn't have stayed on that pace; it was impossible.
1: Well, here's here's the difference in in, in most most teams that are one for four. We're I mean, we're we're losing very close games, so it, obviously it hurts a little more. But but we're right there, man. I don't think there's any reason for this team to go in the locker room and say, you know what, we're just we're just terrible. We're not going to, you know. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna hang it up for the year. That's dude. I'm telling you that this thing can turn around fast if they if they just keep pressing and keep trying to get better. I mean, and, and here's the thing: the defense, man, the last two weeks, that's as good as they're gonna give us. The offense has got to win the game. I mean, listen, yeah, we gave up that big play at the end of the game, but that's listen that, that they had plenty. Defense played plenty of good enough this week to win as well. So that's what we beg for for the first three weeks and the last couple weeks we the offense just hasn't stepped up and won the game like i would have thought if had our defense got a little better so our defense is improving even though it's it's hard to to believe that for what they have they are improving from what it was at the beginning of the year and i mean it's it we're, we're close it's just it, it's going to be like this every week i don't think there's any reason for us to give up so um let's keep pressing and you, you never know maybe you start winning them so i mean you're going to be in there it's going to be the same same deal for the rest of the year
0: Well, it's Vandy Week now here on Overreaction Monday. I don't want to talk about the Auburn game anymore. We don't recap games here, even though that's pretty much what we just did for 20 minutes. But anyway, what's your worst Vanderbilt memory and your best Vanderbilt memory?
1: My worst Vandy memory is probably... Maybe maybe the year when we lost to them in 2008. I mean that game. I, I feel like they weren't that good of a team that year, and they um, we should have beat him. And then I say the best was probably um, I think the Jeff Scott the year that, that Jeff Scott ran that, that long run down the um, down the sideline there at the end of the game. That may have been a Freeze's first or first year, second year, somewhere in there. But that um, yeah, I thought that was a, that was a pretty pretty cool Vandy moment.
0: Vanderbilt tries to be a rival to Ole Miss, and you've been on those fields. Did the players on that side treat it as a rivalry?
1: The play—I I, was—I was never in a game where I thought Vandy was a rival at all, and they—they um, they certainly never had the talent that that we had lining up. But for whatever reason, they always really, really gave us a tough time. So, um, yeah, I, I never really thought that game was a rival game. Um, it's usually an eleven o'clock game. Uh, yeah, and I never thought that was a rival game in my head.
0: If you don't win it this week, man it's time to hit the panic button, maybe move on to basketball. I mean, come on. I know that Olmus and Vanderbilt always play each other pretty closely, but my God, Vanderbilt is absolutely decimated by COVID. They have no players. If you can't win this game and win it going away, if this can't be the one comfortable game of the year, Olmus has got real problems.
1: Yeah, we better come out there and, um, and get it together. And, and, and that, that's no reason for the team to go in this week thinking, okay, we're playing bandit. We can chill because there better be no chill up in that building, man. Because, they, they, they have got to get better. They've got to learn how to win games. They should come out there like like they're playing at Alabama and absolutely try to destroy this team, and, and, and do it with some attitude. Because it's um, you know after this game, there's um, you know it's going to be more back to back to reality. And that's um, hey, I'm going to be in the fourth quarter with a couple minutes to go. Can I can can we step up and win a freaking SEC game? Um, so yeah, that, that they need to use this week to get better at the things that they need to get better to actually finish a damn football game.
0: You picked Ole Miss to beat Auburn 42-35. to And it should have been that way. Auburn scored 35. The corral interception. And the botched punt by Auburn recovered by Ole Miss. That should have resulted in points 42-35. to Boom, it's a win. That's the win. But the margin of error is so small. They just can't do it. I don't know what it means going forward. I just know that Vanderbilt, that's got to be the one easy win. Can we just have, like, a very boring game? Like, none of you miss Northern Iowa or whoever. But at least you knew going to that game, you didn't have to worry. Get in, get out, go home. Let Vanderbilt be that. Because this has got to stop. Because right when you feel like Ole Miss is about to do it, it's about to get that win, that win that gives it confidence and they believe, and then something terrible happens. Something stupid happens. And Auburn has got to be the most fortunate team in college football not named Alabama. No coincidence, this is totally conspiratorial. I'm putting on the tinfoil hat here. No coincidence that the two Alabama teams are the ones that get all the calls and the breaks, considering that the <laughs> SEC office is in
1: Birmingham. I'm just saying. Man, Gus saw his job flash before his eyes multiple times up here in Oxford because he, he leaves Oxford with a loss um, Saturday. And um, I, Gus, Gus may be lucky to finish out the season. So,
0: But he should uh, have, though. That's the thing. Ole Miss looked better, looked like a better team, except for J.J. Piggies absolutely obliterated Dalen Gill. Did anybody else see this? Did you see this? It's like a 19-yard run, and J.J., big 300-pound tight end, comes across the formation, and Dalen Gill, he's free release. He thinks he's about to hit the running back, and J.J. just destroyed him. It was as if Dalen Gill had ran into a Transformer.
1: It's as if Piggies is an offensive lineman or defensive lineman playing um, yes. <laughs> tight end. So, um, Which is no, no kind of really what is, he is. Undoubtedly what he is. All, Auburn is, is certainly doing him a disservice by, by putting him in that position. But you know, hopefully hopefully at some point they'll, um, they'll realize he, he's, he will be better served at um, actually pulling every play like that at guard or maybe at D-line and using his athleticism. So
0: Yeah, but you're not biased at all as a former offensive lineman. You think any guy like this, big, big like that has okay, to be well, up then, to
1: well, then just name me a player in the NFL that, that's wearing 80-something, weighing 310 pounds, whack-blocking every play. You won't.
0: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, Ben on Twitter. Got to go to the Modern Women phone line now, but before we do, we got to say bye to Brad. Bye, Brad. See you, Ben. Hadi toddy. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to David Johnson, my co-worker at the Ole Miss Spirit. Ole Spirit.com, of 247 Sports for a recruit check. Hadn't done one in a while. So Ole Miss is 1-4, yes, I understand. But still, recruiting, it trudges on. Where does Ole Miss stand? And the three pools of recruiting that Ole Miss will be facing. David joins us on the Modern Women phone line. But before he does, let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally-owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at ChaneysPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football and make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Chinese Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. Check that out. Wow.
1: You're here, I'm here. Let's do this.
0: It's recruit check time here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett going to the Modern Women phone line to speak to David Johnson, my coworker at the Ole Miss Spirit, olemisspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. He covers recruiting, Ole Miss football, better than anybody. The busiest man on the Ole Miss beat. Hey, buddy, what's up?
2: Hey, Ben, how are you this morning? I'm good, man.
0: How are you after Ole Miss fell to one and four?
2: Yeah, that was a uh, it's kind of a bitter one to have to swallow last night uh, with. Uh 35-28 come from ahead loss to Auburn inside the vault and uh, one and four. Uh, I think that's the uh, probably the big storyline of this team right now. Could very easily be three and two, I think, at this point. But, uh, you know, the Rebels, the beneficiary of a terrible, terrible, I guess you would call it missed call yesterday in terms of uh, the ball hitting off the left pinky finger of Sean Shiver's uh, and it touched him, Ben, but the replay official, the guy getting the check to make sure all that stuff is right. He said he didn't. And, um, you know, nothing but perplexed on that. Uh, there, there will be a statement from the sec office about how, uh, they didn't notice that they didn't see that it's an egregious error. And they apologize. Much like, uh, happened in the Auburn-Arkansas game. But, you know, that's what i leave that game with. Ole Miss gets that touchdown right there. It's 35-27, a precious few minutes remaining in the game. We don't know how it would have ended up with the Ole Miss defense. Auburn could have very well marched down the field in three or four plays, went 80 yards, scored the touchdown, got the two-point conversion, went to overtime, and Ole Miss loses anyway. But that's that's where I'm at on this Sunday as we discuss uh, that happening.
0: How does it affect recruiting? Because we came into the year as we did these things, and you come on here occasionally just to do these recruit checks. Winning is something that I think the casual recruiting follower would think would be the biggest determinant for players going to schools, but you and I have argued that that's not necessarily the case. It's about relationships. To be one in four, though, what does that mean, and does it affect momentum at all if you're on the recruiting trail trying to recruit for Ole Miss?
2: Well, I'll rewind back to the summer. And every single Ole Miss coach i talked to said, we just got to win some games. We've got to win some games. And uh, while you're correct, and I think I'm correct in my assessment that it's probably more about relationships than it is about wins and losses, um, at this juncture in our history, and our existence, it's difficult to build those relationships with the COVID restrictions where the kids can't come to campus, the coaches can't leave, um, you know, that that's a tough thing right there. And, you know, I've compared it in the past to online dating. You know, you're about to marry somebody on both sides of this equation without ever holding her hand, you know, without ever looking her in the eye outside of uh, Zoom shots, you know. Um, and, and then you want to factor in the fact that next year, this free transfer, this one free transfer is going to be granted to everybody where they don't have to set out a year. There'll be a lot of guys who made bad decisions because they didn't get to go to campus. They didn't get to sit in meeting rooms. They didn't get to watch practice and they're going to go, you know what? This isn't for me. And again, that equation works on both sides of the coin. They're going to be coaches going, I mean, pardon my French, but why did we recruit this turd into our program? You know, we wish he would go somewhere else. So it's going to be going to end up being a lot of roster churn because of all this. And, um, you know, that's the, um, that's kind of, kind of the world we live in right now. But getting back to your original question, is winning important? I think it's more important than ever right now. And I'm just going off again what Ole Miss coaches told me back in the summer when recruiting wasn't going swimmingly, we need to win some games. All we need to do is win some games and everything's going to be okay. Well, right now they're winning 20% and losing 80% of the time. That's what one one in four, my quick math, equivocates to. So uh, is it important? Yes. I'll argue this is not the throwaway season many have tagged it to be for the Ole Miss football program. And and this is not an indictment against this current class, who right now is ranked 46th nationally, rising on up, still ranked 13th in the neighborhood in which they live, and that's the SEC. But, uh, then they need to win some games. They they, they do need to win some games. Uh, There's going to be a lot of people feeling like, this coming Saturday, Halloween, is uh it, it should be a gimme win, and they couldn't be more wrong. I mean, Vanderbilt went to College Station and played Texas A&M to 17 to 12. That was a competitive game. This is a Vandy team that uh, is not going to be the easy out that you may perceive it to be Saturday. And if they leave Nashville, they being Ole Miss 1 and 5, you darn right that's going to have some effect on the recruiting trail. I certainly believe it
0: is. Yeah, as competitive as Ole Miss has been in every single game, maybe Sands, Florida, even in that game they were competitive. Just some things didn't go their way. They lost by 16 points. They're a missed extra point away from being 0-5. And, and you can't yeah. disguise that. You can't hide that. And at some point you have to figure out a way to win games. And I mean, Lane Kevin has said that. When they were walking well, off the field against Alabama yeah, and yeah. fans mm-hmm. were cheering, and he said, why are you cheering? We came here to win games. So the end result here has to be winning games.
2: Yeah, the, look, we, we talk about statistics all the time. We talk about how great the Ole Miss offensive production is, how how great Matt Corral's QBR rating was. Uh, we talk about how terrible the defense is ranked and you know, the average number of yards they're giving up per game and all that stuff. The only stat that matters in the overall scheme of everything is a win percentage, and right now it's at 20, 200. The Rebels are batting 200. And uh, that's going to get you cut with some recruits. You need some wins. They need some wins desperately. They need to try to put this together. And uh, you know, it looked like there were going to be an offensive juggernaut, but you know, there's film out there now on two different defensive coordinators who've had who have had success in stopping this, really in two different ways. And people are going to mimic that. They're going to copy it. They're going to add their own little wrinkles to it. And don't forget who the head coach at Vanderbilt is. Derek Mason, great defensive mind. And that's going to be a challenge up there for Ole Miss. And Vandy, with the COVID situation, they've still been practicing. They've had a few extra days to prepare for the Rebels. So, uh, you know, come what may on Saturday, but that's a big ball game for Ole Miss. And it's a big ball game in the arena of recruiting, which is what we're supposed to be talking about during this
0: segment. You have to win that game. You have to win that game for a number of reasons, not the least of which is recruiting, but you bring up a really good point about the one-time transfer that's going to go into effect in January. The recruiting landscape is going to be completely different, and effectively, you're going to have a second wave of a recruiting cycle for this class in particular. And just as Lane Kiffin attacked the transfer market um, in the offseason with Otis Reese and Jacob Springer and Dean Leonard and Tavius Robinson, he's going to attack it even more with this because now kids that would otherwise be, be yeah. buried on depth charts that are making their transfer wishes known right now are going to be available to you. So that's going to be an, an entirely different recruiting pool.
2: Ben, you, you bring up a great, I guess, extra arena to all of this. When you say that, that next wave, that second wave, think about how difficult the decisions are going to have to be inside coaching offices all across the country. Because the NCAA have granted seniors another year, they can yeah. come back. Yeah. Now, you think you bring them all back and everything's just fine. You got extra depth and all that good stuff, but in the real world, this world, that's not how it plays out. I mean, you've got to let's just hypothetically here say, you got a you got a senior left tackle, and the guy's pretty good. He's good enough to be a starter for you in this league, but you got a sophomore left tackle. But that's the only spot you can squeeze him into the lineup next year when he's a junior. And you gotta do one or two things. You've either got to push that senior out the door and make room for this riser who you've got coming up. And if you do that, you're not gonna have the senior. Or you gotta keep the senior and play him for another year and risk the fact that the young guy behind him is gonna go, I'm not waiting here another year to get to play because this dude's coming back. I'm hitting the portal. So, you know, that's that is going to be chaotic. I don't see any way that it's not going to be chaotic. I mean, you always have younger guys pushing older guys. And if the older guys decide to come back, are the younger guys going to wait another year to get on the field? No. No. And if the older guys aren't guaranteed that they're practically guaranteed, there's always a battle for spots and playing time. But if they're not practically guaranteed that – everything's going to remain the same with them, they're going to jet out and go somewhere else and play for a final year. So, you know, and it's, th- th- there's not much loyalty anymore to, 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 to old tech, let's just say, you know, used to back in the day. I mean, you know, you would expect a kid, you know, he owes it to the university to come back. You know, he's not going to leave early for the draft. He's not going to leave. All that's out the window and it's not the kid's fault. It's the system's fault. The kids have just gotten smart enough to realize, you know, what was the title of uh, of that book? I think Bruce Feldman wrote with Ed Orgeron, Meat Market. It's a meat market. That's all it is, guys. And if you think it is anything else, if you think loyalty pays one bit of a role in all of this, you're sadly mistaken because it doesn't play with your athletic director. It doesn't play with your head coach. It doesn't play with your assistant coaches. And guess what? I mean, because they're out of town with the first pay raise, right? Am I right? They're gone with the first pay raise. First better job. And that train of thought over the years has trickled down to the players. And that's where they are too. Everything about this is about college football nowadays is mercenary. You know, you can preach family, but you're a false prophet. It's all mercenary. I mean, from the coaching to the the players – to the athletic directors. Ross Ross Bjorn sure went out to A&M real quick for his almost million dollars a year. (laughs) I mean, that's true,
0: true. right? Let's play this out, though, a little bit because it's a really interesting point, too. You now have three recruiting pools. We've just laid out the transfer pool, obviously the high school pool that they're recruiting in right now, but also your Mm -hmm. current roster. So let's start with the current roster. Are there any players that you see that they will try to recruit to stay, like a Sam Williams, a Ryder Anderson, a Royce Newman, and do you think there are any players that might be open to that, knowing that for some, like a Royce Newman, I think, his draft stock will not be any higher than it is right now?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the deal with a guy like Royce. Now, Elijah Moore has gone to the NFL, okay?
0: Oh, 100%, he's, yeah, yeah.
2: He's playing this last season at Ole Miss. Um, Royce Newman, interesting case. And I watched Royce closely yesterday against Auburn. Royce is an NFL guy, and uh, you know any of you that were following along on the on the uh, live thread yesterday, you might have noticed when I said that Bradley Sowell chimed in. Bradley thinks he's an NFL guy as well. Uh, I'm telling you, Royce Newman is the best offensive lineman on that on the Ole Miss roster. I'd agree. And people don't watch line people don't watch O line play, so you know, average fan doesn't realize it unless we tell them. And I'm telling you now. I think Royce is a draft pick. Royce is going to the NFL. Uh, I I also think Elijah Moore and Royce Newman are the only two Rebels that are going to be drafted um, in this coming draft. So uh, that leads you to the question you asked, you know, what about other guys, Sam Williams, Ryder, Anderson? They should come back. I think they should come back. Now, while Sam and Ryder, in my opinion, and it's a loose opinion, I'm not a draft expert. I think both of those guys are free agent, priority free agent signees, but I don't think they've done anything to work themselves into the first seven rounds of the NFL draft. And uh, there's still half a season left to play. Maybe they will, but I think it would benefit both of those guys to come back. I really and truly do. Now I think they, they can make themselves
0: draft picks. I really do think they can do that because Sam coming yeah, into this year had. Come back. Yeah, I think Sam had a lot of. Draft momentum for him, but then all the stuff happens. So now it's about rebuilding that value, and he's starting to do that. He's starting to look more like himself. But it would do you well then to maximize your leverage, come back, and then show that you're that same player again. And another player, though, on the flip side of that is John Haynes. To where John Haynes, he started out buried on the depth chart. Now he's playing because they remember that John Haynes can play. And now John, though, might say, "Well, look." I don't want to take the risk again of them recruiting to replace me because that's what coaches do. So I'll leave.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, you know, you've got scenarios like that, that we were talking about. Um, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I, th- I think Ben Brown, had he not shifted to center was a guy that could have left earlier because he was, uh, you know, you know, very, very effective as a guard, um, and could have declared a draft after this season. He still might. Uh, but, uh, you know, playing a new position, he, it might serve him well to come back and get, uh, get a second season at center. But, um, you know, that's going to be interesting as well. Um, you know, three, two weeks ago, I would have thrown Matt Corral as a possibility of leaving early. I'm not doing that anymore. He's not leaving early. No, uh, he'll, he'll be back. He's got, uh, he's still got a lot more things he has to do. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, but right now, if you ask me and you did, I think uh, two guys, I see two guys off this team going in the next spring draft, and that's Elijah Moore leaving as a junior and Royce Newman as a senior tackle.
0: Going to jump right back to David Johnson in this recruit check here on Talk of Champions after I tell you about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the proud sponsor of the Modern Women phone line here on Talk of Champions. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi, and what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Now, we're five games into this season. That means we're at the halfway point. It's halfway over. October is almost over. Is there going to be an early signing period, or are we just now accepting that that's gone for the year, that there's going to be one signing period and it'll probably be in February, March?
2: No, no. Right. I mean, early signing period has not been canceled. So, um, you know, I think pretty much everyone is resigned to the fact that you've got to sign a bunch of guys you don't know. And a bunch of guys have to sign with the coaching staff that they don't know. And a school that a lot of them, some of them paying for it out of their own pocket, coming and taking academic tours – but let's be honest, most of them can't afford to do that, particularly when your recruiting net is scattered out as far wide as Florida, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, and Texas. I mean, you know, a weekend trip to Oxford is not doable for a lot of those kids and their families. So, you know, there, there's, there's going to have to be a lot of blind trust in all of this. And um, it looks like that's the direction we're headed. And Ben, I can't figure out for the life of me why it's okay. For a kid to come take an academic tour it's okay for fifteen thousand fans to be in the stadium and nobody's social distancing that's a big bunch of bull crap you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. i mean i mean look when you walk through i mean it's all a farce and this is kind of, look man i'm telling you this is coming from a guy who almost died from COVID. yeah okay but this shutdown crap you know to each his own i wear a mask when i go inside somewhere but but my goodness, I'm not for shutting everything down. I mean, I just think, uh, and, and the reason, look, if shutting it down is the right call, then it's the right call. I'm 100 percent for it. But we're in the twilight zone here, where it's okay to allow 16,000 people to come to one single event, but you know, but you know, without mask, you know, because once you sit down, you don't have to wear your mask. But, I mean, you'll get billy-clubbed in Walmart if you take your mask off in the middle of the store. It It goes back to
0: that old Breaking Bad line. I think it was Mike Ehrmantraut who said, no half measures. Look, I'm not saying shut it all down so much as have a plan for everybody. You know, an umbrella plan that this is what we're all going (laughs) to do, and if you're going to allow 25% capacity in your stadium, there's no way that you shouldn't allow at least – a small handful of kids visitors to come and then you could stagger it out yeah. for all those kids. That's not fair.
2: That's my point. True story here. So, so my little girl has a big Halloween party planned next Friday night. We've invited all her friends and their parents and all that good stuff. And we did a body count, you know, I guess that's an appropriate phrase to use this. Oh, God. We did a body count and we we're up to around 30 people. And know and, and my oldest daughter's like, Hey, OPD is going to come over here and shut y'all down and arrest you. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we at that point where you can't have a children's Halloween party uh, without checking on what the, the the most recent government regulations are? And I was like, yeah, we do. We are at that point. So I had to call the Oxford Police Department. And I want to get this on record. I talked to Officer Smith, who told me that, yeah, the capacity limit right now is 25, but if they get called over and there's 30, 31 kids here, they will not arrest everybody. So so we're going to have about 30, which is probably five more than we're supposed to. But uh, I've got a, I've got the OPD on record saying okay. they will not cuff me. So what, cuff me. what are they going to do, so,
0: like lock up Peppa Pig and put her in the back of a cop car? I mean, what are we doing? Oh,
2: look, look I, I'm going to tell you, if the Oxford police pulls up to my house next Friday night, I, I'm going to have cameras ready. I'm filming this whole thing, but... I mean, just in case. I mean, you know, just in case everybody gets cuffed and locked up and fined and cited and all that good stuff over a children's Halloween party.
0: There's so, just um, no direction, hopefully. man. It's, it's a weird thing. What? Um, it's it's also strange if you're in a spot like, as we're talking about transfers and the three pools of recruiting, Otis Reese. I mean, at this point, you you've got to accept that Otis Reese is not getting cleared, and it's completely unfair to the kid. But here's the thing with Otis Reese. You think, okay, well – Ole Miss will get him next year. Well, not necessarily. I mean, Otis can say, like Laramie Tunsil almost did when he was dealing with NCAA stuff, screw it, I'm going to go prepare for the draft. He could opt out at any point. And I think Otis might feel himself to be talented enough to at least shine in a pro day or in a combine-type yeah, yeah. atmosphere and, you know, go get drafted in some way.
2: Yeah, I, I, I get it. And you know what? The fans just might as well be prepared for things like that. That's the world we're living in. It's partially the fans' fault, too. I'll probably get some backlash on this. But, uh, you know, it's this age of nobody giving a crap what you think. And you being the fan or you being the player or you being the coach or you being the sports writer, um, you know, social media's made us all mean. The anonymity it offers um, allows people to spout off everything they want to spout off. And, you know, fans go off on on players all the time. Ben, they, they do read it. I mean, I mean, you know, I've seen where other fans have gotten on there and gotten on a fan for cutting cutting a kid or, or you know, just really hammering him. Those kids read that stuff. What did Matt Corral say he did? What did he say he did after the Arkansas game? He went straight to social media and the message boards and soaked it all in. Every one of those kids do that. But that's Every so
0: corrosive, players man.
2: and recruits, that, that is and just... it is eating away at the spirit of the game. My point being. Any, you know, give a, give a hoots, they've been back to the, the door from everybody, from everybody. I'm talking not about Ole Miss specifically. I'm talking about across the country. You think those players, they read what you say, but do you think they give a hoot? No. And you don't give a hoot what you say about them or what you say about the coaches, and the coaches don't give a hoot what you say about them either. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, there are probably less than 10 people Lane Kiffin really cares what they think about him in all honesty. I mean, this is, it's a zoo. I mean, half the people on the message board last night wanted to fire Lane. The other half wanted to kill the people who wanted to fire Lane.
0: Well, almost picked up a commitment last week from Devin Lee. Tell me about him.
2: Yeah. Devin Lee's a a really smart, intelligent defensive tackle from the state of Georgia. Uh, It was a war with Vanderbilt folks, and it was kind of not really public with everything that went on there. Uh, He had privately committed to Vanderbilt back in September, and uh, Ole Miss has kind of gotten in on him late, but they man, they made up a lot of ground, convinced him Oxford was where he needed to be. And um, I think he's a he's a guy. It's hard to say a defensive tackle is going to come in and 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 play next year. I think this kid is not so much because of his talent level, but so much because of the talent level on the roster when it comes to defensive tackles for Ole Miss. Uh, Devin Lee, 6'3, 285 pounds. Uh, I think he's going to get in that rotation next year at some point, but, uh, you know, he may not be a starter because it's going to take a year or two in the weight room. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good pickup for us, uh, to be quite honest with you. He had a very impressive offer sheet, kind of a nationwide type offer sheet. Arizona state was on there, Boston college, uh, You know, of course, Georgia Tech offered him within the state of Georgia. He had some Big Ten offers from Illinois. Big 12, Kansas State had offered him. ACC offers from NC State, Syracuse. Um, You know, yet he decided he wanted to come to Oxford. Again, sight unseen. Devin Lee hasn't taken any visit here. But, uh, you know, I think they'll hold on to him. Another thing, too, you hope you hold on to all these guys. Because, you know, schools, as they find holes in their recruiting needs, as signing day approaches, they start throwing out these offers to rapid offers to these kids that they really haven't recruited before. And, uh, you know, so uh, that's always a concern when a kid hasn't been to your campus, hasn't started to fill at home on your campus that, uh, you know, there could be some flips coming when signing day nears. I'm not predicting that for Devin Lee. Uh, just just something to kind of keep in the cranium as we get closer and closer to signing day is that a lot of these knots that have been tied are loose.
0: If Ole Miss could have one current commitment to play right now, who would it be? I would say Jamon Gordon.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the guys in this class that's ready to go get the nail on the head. Uh, you know, he's a Juco guy, Mississippi guy, uh, you know, was, was coming here out of high school and things didn't work out. And uh, I remember going to Tupelo and watching him play when he was in high school. And just such a dominant force back then. Haven't seen him play uh, since he's gotten the Juco, but, uh, yeah, Jamon Gordon could, uh, put an Ole Miss jersey on Saturday morning and help the Rebels against the Commodores. I truly believe that.
0: Any players out there, any commitment or not, excuse me, not commitment, but targets that, um, maybe Ole Miss fans should be paying most attention to who you think have some Ole Miss momentum behind them.
2: You know, I wish I could sit here this morning and tell you a name. To be on the spot. I'd go with Luke Altmeyer, the quarterback out of Starkville that's committed to Florida state. Uh, You know, there's there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there that he likes what Lane's doing here. And uh, there's no doubt about it, if you watch his film, that he would plug in to what Lane and Jeff Levy want to do at Ole Miss perfectly. So, you know, like I said, committed to Florida State from Starkville. So you got a couple things working against you there on that front. But um, I don't think he ever gets to Florida State. And I think he's going to pick somebody else. Um, I I don't know that he's enamored with what Mike Leach is doing in Starkville right now. Uh, maybe he's enamored with what Lane's doing in Oxford, but I'd keep my eye on that kid if I had to give you one name.
0: Last one, Ole Miss's recruiting class ends up where?
2: I think Ole Miss's recruiting class probably ends up 12th in the SEC and nationally probably, I'm going to say somewhere around 32 or 33. So I do think they're going to climb. Uh, this is not going to be a top 25 class, I don't believe, and uh, I think it's going to be weighed heavy in the middle and on the back end with three-star guys. Uh, So if you're one of those that, you know, you want to win the recruiting ranking war every year, um, that's not going to happen this year. I I think they're going to be near the bottom of the SEC. I think 12th. Um, You know, just kind of of weighing things out in my mind and what we're looking at. Um, You know, the Rebels are, are 13th right now. They're ahead of Vanderbilt. Not worried about that. I could see them passing South Carolina up. Uh, maybe even passing Kentucky and Missouri and Mississippi State. I mean, I don't know. They could finish as high as ninth when you look at it like that because there's a cluster from nine through 13 right now uh, where Mississippi State's average commit is 86.3, and they're ninth right now in the SEC. If you go down to 13, uh, Ole Miss is 86.42, so everybody's kind of bottlenecked right there. Uh, And that's just in – Star rating average. Uh, nine is state, 10s, Missouri, 11s, Kentucky, 12s, Carolina, 13, Old 14, Vandy. Yeah. I mean, if things hit right, I, I could see them jumping up to ninth, but uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with 12. I think they're probably going to settle in right around number 12.
0: But then it doesn't really matter if you go and do work. In the transfer market, which is something that Lane Kiffin is absolutely going to do. So that will be fascinating to watch. He's David yeah, Johnson yeah, exactly. at Rebels247. Works with me at the Old Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and the field of 247 sports. It's always fun. You're always giving of your time. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we got this one in. In between my house cleaning duties <laughs> today and uh, honey dews, that, uh, that was risky, uh, but we, we were able to squeeze it in. I'm getting looked at hard right now. That means back to work day. So uh, thanks for having me on as always.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every
2: time.